back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Barbarian, and joining me today, a first-time guest for the podcast, I don't think he's the kind of guy that would double book at Airbnb. It's Gage Eggleston. Gage, thank you for being here. Hey, Josh. Thanks for having me. And also joining, I would drink from a bottle of wine he opened while I was in the other room. It's Daniel Lima. Daniel, thanks for being here. (laughs) I'm touched that you would do that. I appreciate that. You know, that's a real, that's a real brother right there. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm very excited to have these two guys on to talk about Barbarian, which is, I mean, honestly, one of the more bonkers horror movies I've seen and the most fun theater experience I've probably had since uh, seeing a movie that I talked about with Daniel last year about exactly this time of year ago, Malignant. Uh, but at, at the same time, given the nature of this movie, I think it is would be very difficult to talk about without like uh, spoiling any part that's noteworthy. If you've seen anything about this movie, but haven't actually seen the movie, you've probably seen people saying, Hey, it's best to go in blind. Don't know much about, don't know as little as you can. I did not see a trailer myself. I think I saw the poster and maybe a snippet of a trailer, but I wasn't really paying attention. And I think that was a wise decision. So I would encourage anyone that's listened to the first uh, 47 seconds of this to like, uh, that actually thinks they want to see it. I would encourage, I would definitely encourage them to see the movie if they are not averse to horror movies and then coming back and listening to us talk so we don't have to talk around in acrobatics and gymnastics or whatever do, do all the do all the verbal gymnastics to worry about not spoiling something about this because it's quite frankly like uh, that would just be very hard to do so uh without further ado i'm uh excited to talk about this one which i mean it stars uh georgina campbell uh she plays a young woman that is in town for a in, in detroit for a job interview named tess she books an airbnb that's in a dark neighborhood but we don't really know uh much else about it besides uh that at the time the the door uh what do you think call the thing they keep it a key in an airbnb i don't know the key holder uh she's able to unlock it there's no key she knocks on the door a guy answers the door played by bill skarsgård his name is keith turns out they've both been booked and uh she's a little wary at first random dude but it's dark and apparently there's no hotel rooms in detroit because of a conference which she's understandably suspicious about because who really wants to go to a conference in detroit am i right uh, but, you know, she ends up uh, hanging out there for the night and um, hits it off with Keith. OK, but, you know, comes back uh, the next day after they both have to go out. And let's just say there's a little more going on in that house that beats the eye. Like I said, there's uh, plenty to discuss about with, with this house. But before I even really dive into that, I want to ask you guys, because as I noted at the top, both Daniel and Gage are fairly big horror fans. So, uh, again, I think a lot of people were just like really, really surprised when they just over and over about where this movie really goes. And I'm wondering, uh, Gage, what was your uh, level of uh, knowledge going into this movie? How much did you know? And do you think like maybe you were any more or less caught off guard or had your expectations upended any more or less than just like your average film goer that maybe hasn't seen quite that many horror movies or were you like actually like just kept on your toes in a way that you really appreciated throughout this movie? Yeah, absolutely. I um, I didn't know much going into it. I'd seen the trailer for it, and okay. I really got to give a hand to the marketing team for this movie because they keep all the good stuff out of the trailer. They really do make it look like it's your standard, straightforward kind of single location thriller, and the first 20 minutes really do feel that way. Uh, but so much goes on after that that I feel like even saying go into this one blind is in a way spoiling it because it's just kind of setting you up to to think, oh, well, something else happens, right? There, there's really no way to talk about this. Well, also, if you, if you know that Justin Long is in this movie, then you're like already have something in the back of your head for the first like 45 minutes because you're like, that's a pretty big actor. I haven't seen him yet. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought 
because in the trailer they say Justin Long is in the movie, and I thought he was the guy crawling up out of the staircase in the trailer. And I'm wondering if they even like digitally pasted his face over Bill Skarsgård because he's the guy who does that in the actual movie. I doubt it. It's probably just you know placebo effect or whatever. But um, no, they they did a really great job. I was waiting for for Justin Long to show up but I was not at all prepared for, you know, the way oh, he, he shows up. <laughs> I I actually totally forgot that he was in the movie. Mm. Uh, I, I just remember, I saw the trailer once before, like some movie. Um, I had been like, oh, I was like, oh, what, what is this? Because normally I'm up to date on like new trailers coming out. And like, it really took my attention, like grabbed my attention. Like I was super like, what is even going to be going on in this movie? I went in having forgotten it because I had seen only that one trailer. And uh, yeah, no, like I was completely every step of the way going, what's going to happen next? I have. Well, no I was going to ask you because you've you've been you've been like someone that's like stayed on me. And I, I, I do appreciate it because like I've just had an incredibly busy year at work. And normally I keep a running list of like movies. Hey, I want to see. And then I'll I'll cross it off the list every time I make it to one. And it's just something I just didn't do this year. Like I've just been busy all year at work and just didn't really have the time to, you know, actually like compile that. So there have been certain movies that have like caught up that snuck up on me that I didn't even know they were coming out till like two weeks before, uh, like something like, like 3000 years along. I didn't even know what that was. And then like Adam and Kayla invited me to it like a, a week before I was like, Oh, there's a new George Miller movie. Like I've really been behind and you've done a good job of like telling me, Hey, we got all this this weekend. We got all that this weekend. And barbarian was one that kind of the name stuck in my head. Cause you had mentioned it a few times, but like, I, I honestly could not have told you what it was about. And I'm again, glad I didn't know what it was about, but I didn't really know what you were basing that on when you kept saying it's barbarian, it's barbarian. barbarian. Yeah, I had been hearing. Like, yeah, I, I had, yeah. I had, sorry, my bad. I had been hearing like, talk uh mm. chatter from like festivals and like you know the genre heads that i follow on like letterboxd and such saying like okay this is an actually bonkers movie so yeah mm. i did go in with the sort of expectation that like it's gonna take some turns but i didn't i didn't i did not see coming those the turns that they would take yeah well, sure so gage i think just because a movie surprises you a lot, like su surprise and uh, unexpected plot turns, that doesn't necessarily make something good. So I'm wondering, like, as someone who I know, at least based on your letterbox review, like I know you really like the movie. I'm wondering what kind of holds this movie together for you if it's something more than just like, hey, the movie actually like really surprised me in fun ways. Like what actually made it like cohesive for you such that like, hey, that's a four and a half star movie for me. I thought at length about this, actually, like what actually made this so good? Because, you know, clearly I was having a good time. I, my mouth was agape pretty much like the whole time I was watching it, but I couldn't put my finger on why. And after thinking more about it, I realized that, you know, this is, you know, it is a horror movie. It's pretty scary, but it's also a really effective comedy. It's a it's a horror comedy, but not in the same way that you would think of one. It's not like Evil Dead, where like it's super wacky and it's like a cartoon almost where, you know, there are making these like funny expressions directly in the camera but it's also not like cabin in the woods where it's like super self-referential and meta humor and that kind of deal it's it's like it's funny for a far more nerdy reason because it's structured so weirdly mm -hmm. um i think this movie does a great job of putting you in a place of discomfort which um you know, it, it's kind of designed to catch you off guard and that's inherently going to make you more receptive to all the jokes within it, which I hesitate to even really call jokes. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's no like straightforward, like Joss Whedon-esque jokes in here designed to get a big laugh. It's more just like really dark, absurd situations that you laugh at, not because they're super funny, but just because you're kind of in disbelief as you watch it. 
Yeah, I should have I should have mentioned uh, when I started out. It's written and directed by a guy named Zach Kreger, who some people know from like the Whitest Kids You Know, uh, a a comedy sketch group that like kind of came on the scene a little bit in the the late two thousands, early twenty tens. So uh, someone with comedic sensibilities, but I, I think the, some of the laughs in this movie kind of come from maybe something different than the the first things he was kind of known for. Daniel, did, did did the comedy in this movie do something for you as well? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like we all talk, we always talk about like how horror and comedy are kind of two sides of the same coin. Like they're both about playing with your audience's expectations and, you know, misdirecting them down a different path than they expect. That's kind of the cornerstone of both genres. And with this film, I don't know, how much do you guys know about how this film was written? I, I just listened to an, an interview with him right before we started recording. So I kind of mm. have a little bit of an idea about his process. I yeah. uh, took a quick jaunt through the IMDb page and I saw that this was kind of like a writing exercise for Zach in a way. Right. Apparently he was inspired by this like famous nonfiction book, The Gift of Fear, where there's a section that says, you know, women, trust your intuition, pay attention to those red flags that go up when you interact with men. And so he just sat down as a writing exercise and just write, wrote out a scene that was just red flag after red flag, you know, which would have been, which eventually became, you know, the interactions between Tess and, uh, and Keith. And then when he got to the point where she goes down into the basement, He's like, okay, well, what then? And there he starts trying to come up with something better than, oh, and it turns out Keith is a serial killer because that would be expected. And so the entire process of writing this film seems to have been like an exercise in how to upend expectations, how to create something that he had never experienced before. And thus we have never experienced before and to keep us on our toes. But for you, that never felt, you never felt like it was showing the seams in that. You never felt like you were, you saw the exercise as you were watching it. It, it just kind of like you, you kind of took it as it came and appreciated it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first, I actually did see it twice. I rewatched it mm-hmm. earlier today. And uh, even the second time around, it's it's fun. It is fun to like see how he re- leads you down the road he is before, you know, taking that swerve. I know we could talk about the direction in a little bit, but before, I do want to. Well, I mean, before we even got to there, the first thing I wanted next thing I wanted to actually ask you guys about, because you mentioned going down the stairs thing. I want to ask you about your theater experience. I believe you guys saw it on a Saturday afternoon. Is that correct? Yeah, Dan and I saw this together, and um, at first I was kind of unhappy because we were at like a very busy theater, and it was pretty packed, and there were teens in front of us, and they were talking the whole time, and there was an old couple behind us explaining the movie to each other the whole time, and I think for any other movie, I would have been like just a little bit more pissed than I was with this one, but because this one is so like over-the-top, gonzo, wacky, uh, it kind of became a communal experience, kind of in the same vein that I had with Malignant and Get Out a few years ago, yeah. where you guys all like <laughs> you're you're all going through kind of a shared trauma together. And that yes. brings you together well, as an audience. We, we could have a whole episode talking about our, our bad experiences, what we can tolerate in a theater, what we can't tolerate in a theater experience or whatnot. I mean, I, I, I might have like been like too pissed anyway to enjoy. It might take me out of the movie if I had your setup. But like, I'm glad you saw it in a, in a I mean, I want to ask you about the reactions of your audience. I'm glad you saw it in like at least somewhat of a crowd. Because when I heard you were going on a Saturday afternoon, that, that could be hit or miss if you're going to get a crowd. And I'm perfectly happy to sit in the theater and be the only one in a theater uh, 
uh, whenever I can be. I'd rather, honestly, usually would rather that be the case. But I, I, I saw this at 7.30 on a Friday night in about a half full theater, which is about as full as that usually is if I'm there for anything other than a Marvel movie. Or um, uh, Nope was pretty crowded when I went there too on a, on a Sunday afternoon. But usually it's like, man, it, but like I, th- I thought I had a pretty smart theater because like there are times when it's like in a theater where it's going to be funny if someone yells something out you know and there's other times where it's like you just hear two teens talking and you're just fucking grinding your teeth the whole time and i was i i was perfectly happy to be there with this particular audience who was like what the like fuck no whenever the first time she walks down those stairs or and everyone else is just like laughing at her yelling, oh keith 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 and everyone was just like cracking up as she walked down those stairs and like i was like all right everyone's like laughing or like making comments but not at a point where it's like inappropriate to do so where you're like talking over other dialogue and it's like you can also feel in the theater like people leaning forward when like you know when they're like listening for like the sounds that she is and like i i did quite like and i will say that even the second time i saw it Mm -hmm. uh where the first time we saw it it was like a very packed smaller theater Mm. and then the second time i saw it was in like the biggest theater in the multiplex on a weekday afternoon with like maybe 10 people scattered amongst like this Mm. huge broth and like it hit the exact same way at the exact same points like you could like at the at the swerve uh, in the, into the second half with Justin on the second third with Justin long, Mm -hmm. like everyone starts laughing incredulously, like Mm -hmm. all over the theater. Oh, granted it's like huge amounts of space between us, but we all were on the same page. Well, I guess my, I guess, well, I guess my thought in bringing all that up was that I had a lot of fun with that. It's not the kind of theater experience I get every day. Uh, we, we know how batshit the last third of Malignant was. That was a lot of fun for me. I just, it, it, it sticks in my memory when I have a, a fun theater going experience like that. And I had friends going the next day, but for, for like work reasons, like it just made more sense for me to go on Friday night by myself. And I was like, mm. uh, kind of feeling bad. I wasn't going to get to go with my friends because I like seeing horror movies with my friends. But like, I was like, I, it just, with my schedule, it made more sense to go then. And I was just so happy I did because I don't know if they would have had as crowded of it. If I would have had the same crowded theater in West Palm Beach at 140 on a Saturday, like on a college football day or whatever. Mm. And I, and like, it, it just worked out well. And I was like, well, so my reaction, when I kept telling people, like, I, I, I didn't tell you anything about the movie. I didn't even, I don't even know if I told you to go in blind or not. I just said, I didn't want to say more. And I told Daniel, I was like, I, it just, it was a great, incredible theater experience. And I, 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 so I wasn't sure, like, if I liked the movie, I was like, I'm in such a high for having such a fun time at this that I'm like, and I appreciate how batshit it was. But I, again, I was like, I was trying to like be measured and be like, that doesn't mean it's good. Do I think it's good? And I think I ultimately like gauge came down on it being good, but it was just like, it was such an overwhelming fun theater experience that like, it would have been a worthwhile experience, even if it probably like wasn't a good movie just to have that fun for an hour and 40 minutes. So yeah. that's where I kind of came down on, on, on it in that regard. But, uh, but, um, but yeah, you, you kind of meant, you kind of mentioned the turn there in the movie. And I mean, it, it's just fun that it, it, it kind of flips everything on its head, but like it, it is, it's fun that it keeps you guessing in the way it does that in that first half. And in, in, and leads to something that really like an unexpected turn like that. But I mean, it's fun, like not only like the going down the stairs thing, but I think the whole entire theater is also leaning forward, Daniel, with respect to like, is this Keith guy like a, Oh like yeah, a, yeah. We should focus in on on that part. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I mean, what what were your thoughts as you were watching it? Because like, I mean, like I think Gage mentioned he watched the trailer. Trailer. Daniel had forgotten about the trailer. It doesn't. It, it doesn't give any way anything anything away there. It's like at that point, like it could just be a, a two people in a house movie. You re, you really don't know. And I'm wondering, like, how you guys were engaged. How are you digesting that as you watched it? Where you're like, were you like, I'm here for this. I'm I like this can creepy Airbnb conceit. Or were you like, um, I mean, I I came here for more. 
I totally, while I was watching that first like 20, 25 minutes mm-hmm. or so, I thought the film like is super competent working in that mode, like just mm-hmm. as the surface level single location creepy dude kind of thriller it, it felt like some sort of online creepy pasta story adaptation except mm-hmm. it, it was really slickly produced it was well made um you know good performances from the two leads it was creepy and like all the information and the slow reveals of like how weird this guy could possibly be and you know how weird the house was like it was all doled out in a way that was um you know, it keeps you on your toes the whole time. So I remember thinking as she descended into that basement, like, man, I sure do love like a really well-produced but completely ambitionless horror film. Like I'm totally here for this <laughs> just because like this, this is what I love. You know, that's, that's what I watch movies for. Uh, so I wasn't expecting it to be anything more at all. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm really happy it was. Well, what do you think about the, what do you guys think about the way like it parcels out its information, like, different movies make different choices with how much of an information deficit they put their characters at compared to the audience. What did like Daniel, what did you think when she like crawls out of her bedroom, when she sees the door open at night and then she starts looking to her left, but then you see that door move in the background or something like that. Like that could be nothing, uh, but it could be something like, are, are, are you still, are, are you at that point? Like, are you up until, up until the final like reveal before the, before the big break in the movie, are you like still like, uh, this could go either way with respect to like what the deal with this Keith dude is, or you're like, Oh, I think there's like going to be some other third element here besides the two of them. As soon as you see that door move or when you see him having the nightmares. Uh, well, admittedly, I mean, I figured that he wasn't going to be the serial killer just because I had heard that the movie was bonkers and uh, okay. that wouldn't be very, that wouldn't be very bonkers. True, true. But at the same time, I was very enraptured in their relationship. I should say that like Bill Skarsgård and um, I, I apologize. What's the name of the Virginia Campbell. She is very good and he is very good. And honestly, she mentioned that she mentioned that like if people are most likely to have seen her before in the hang the DJ episode of black mirror, very good episode. Um, oh, so I, I've only stuff. seen the first two. I've only seen the first two episodes of black mirror, oh, but okay. um, we're going to have to do another episode. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get to end in a black mirror. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think that those two are, you know, I think, you know, that first third of the movie is really riding on their performances mm-hmm. and you know you can you get a sense of these two actually bonding it, because of how it's directed because of you know how long he lets the camera linger on you know a shot of the door you know because of the sound design how empty and quiet the house feels at times um mm-hmm. you know you get the sense that these are this isn't a home this is a place that they happen to be you know i, I think that all lends itself to the horror thriller element but re-watching it it could also, if you just change the score, maybe there's a world where it plays like almost a romance. You know what <laughs> the, I mean? The, the, the beginning of the trailer does a little bit too. Yeah, like it plays it in like it's a rom com because we are aware that it is a horror movie. We're all kind of leaning forward, waiting for the turn. Like you know, there's that moment where like she's she tells she says she's gonna go freshen up in the bathroom. And then when she comes back, the camera sort of um, what's the what's the term when it, the camera just pans uh, when it follows her track? It's a tracking shot. It's a yeah. tracking shot down the hallway. And then she walks into the kitchen to reveal him sitting at God, the so table with like and like his explanation totally works for. And like he's actually, you know, on rewatch when you know 
that there is no danger here. Right. It seems charming. It seems like he's a very sweet guy who just doesn't know how to handle himself in this situation. Understandably, I should add. Yes, but you kind of see it from her perspective. And that goes down to the filmmaking. Like, I worried about how this movie would play on rewatch because how much of it is tied up in that twist and like, you know, the, the, the upending of expectations. But the fact is it is a very ably directed movie. I think he's done like he co-directed a movie like years ago. comedies like 13 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So like to see him come through with this, like yeah, this is actually very solid. Like that, that sketch comedy to horror pipeline is so far holding strong. Well, did, Gage, did you feel like it was like kind of, more directly engaging with the audience than some horror movies do. This is the other thing I wanted to ask you guys about with respect to like the amount of movies you guys have seen compared to me in this genre before, like whether it be like when it's just like what we kind of like know based on like, there's a whole other conversation we haven't gotten to yet about even the choice to make that Justin Long character, that particular guy and going through that particular ordeal in his life. But here it's like for all the right reasons, like I think people are a little more cognizant of the dangers every single uh, every every single action she takes in the first 20 minutes of that movie poses you know in that position she's in i think uh, as a society we're a little more uh, acutely aware of like just every little thing and how that uh, could is, is some kind of red flag that she's encountering and that's kind of the way he wrote the movie but he knows the audience knows that but also just knows how they're going to react every time she walks down a, another staircase uh, like did, did, did it did the movie feel like it was a, a little different from any other horror movies you've seen recently and how it's just like almost expecting the audience to have a certain uh audible reaction in the theater yeah i mean i can only speak in retrospect but it does feel like you know that the first 25 minutes just the way it's assembled i'm thinking specifically of the shot where he's um teaching her how to fold the duvet Uh and they just have like this awkward silence where they look at each other and it's like what is he expecting of her right now and Mm. they're just kind of sharing this really uncomfortable moment and the film is like practically speaking to you voicelessly saying like, you know, is this guy deranged or not? I think it is kind of confronting you in that way. And I I think before that, they even have like a straight up conversation about like, you know, how the world is different from men and women and how, you know, she feels more endangered and how she has to protect herself. So I think the movie is, you know, kind of directly engaging with the audience in that way. And maybe even like kind of goading us into thinking, you know, you know, this is going to be more than this, right? Like, mm. you know, we're, we're not going to go through the tried and true route where, yep, he was a creep the whole time and he lured her into the basement, the end, you know? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think it's, um, you know, I don't even know if I had heard how crazy it was before I went in. So maybe I just like, I, I maybe I went in with like another level of expectation. Like I, I, in, the, in that, like, I maybe thought something else was going to happen when I saw that one door move in the background and I clocked it. But, like, I feel like I was, like, open to anything. I was open to it just, like, him being, like, the, him being a monster in, in a way that was, like, maybe broaden the scope of the movie from it just being, like, running around a house. But, like, I, I, I really did not know what to expect beyond that, even when she's, like, deep on the fourth, the third or fourth staircase or in the, in the sex dungeon thing. I don't know. I, so I was just, like... I, I I was open to anything and like I think I was I, I was caught off guard in all the right ways and in and in thinking about it afterward I just think it, it was like really 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 effective and uh how it just like how it 
took its time. I mean, and it, for a movie to like take its time like that and before it actually gets to the thing, just because it knows you're dreading whatever that thing might be. I just think he was very smart about, uh, Zach Craig was very smart in uh, how he went along with that. But I, I, I do want to, I do want to jump ahead guys to like when we actually did that smash cut. So, uh, Daniel, oh, you're, that you're, you're, beautiful you're, smash. You're, you're, oh. you're, 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 you're grinning. I can't see Gator's face right now. So I'm starting. No, I'm, I'm, I'm starting. grinning. Okay. Okay. Uh, but so D- Daniel, uh, like, you, well, no, actually, I'll go to Gage since you. <laughs> well, you said you you didn't actually forget Justin Long was in it. So, uh, what 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 are you thinking when that happens? Like, because I I was just like, I mean, I was like, oh wow, like we're really doing something here. But like, I again, I still had like really no expectation. I had, I think I maybe I did put it together like it was gonna be that guy's house before they actually said the thing about the Detroit properties. Cause, like, why else would we be with this guy? But like, I don't know. What 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 did you think when all of a sudden we're on the PCH? I remember, <laughs> I remember she's descending the staircase and up crawls, you know, a figure out of the darkness. I'm like, oh, here he is, Justin Long. This is the other guy. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, 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 I, yeah, I didn't even ask when we first saw the yeah, yeah, has kept prisoner. But then it turns out, you know, it's just Bill Skarsgård. He's like, someone bit me down here. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's very creepy. And then, you know, the last thing I'm expecting is some ass naked inbred woman to come out and just like beat him to death. But <laughs> honestly, what's more shocking than that is just the absolute cliche way the movie opens back up with like this <laughs> panning shot of the ocean along the California coastline with, you know, all of a sudden Justin Long is driving along the road and singing along to Donovan and fighting off rape allegations. It's, I'm sorry, uh, that was Donovan? Because I was in, I was listening to that song thinking, I like it, but I also think this song is terrible. I don't I, know. I'm I don't pretty know how to sure that. it was Donovan. I, uh, I I looked it up afterwards and someone online said it was Donovan. Maybe. It <laughs> sounded like it sounded like that was off of a playlist that also includes at least like a couple ska bands. Oh, for sure. For oh, sure. yeah. You, 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 you know, know that, that man. <laughs> that, my, that man skanks. That, that man skanks. That guy's second favorite band is Streetlight Manifesto. Oh, absolutely. And I like Streetlight. But anyways, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I would that's like the first big laugh of the movie. Yeah um and even even in this theater empty theater like people started laughing incredulously yeah and it's kind of what sets up the entire next portion up until he ventures down into the basement himself where like there's so many jokes in this next sequence that wouldn't work if we weren't like thrown so off kilter by the first 20 minutes of this movie it's almost like the twist in psycho in a way it it messes with the structure and kind of defies your expectations in such a big way that you feel like you're on the back foot for the rest of the viewing well, so Daniel, I, 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 I don't even need to ask you. You were obviously quite tickled by the twist also. I saw the way you were grinning. So I guess I'll ask you a more pointed question. Uh, what did you think about Zach Kreger's choice to like uh, make this Justin Long character the worst and all the implications that had going forward in the movie? What did you think about that particular decision to write that particular guy that is uh, that we know is really awful, but hey, um, Tess probably doesn't. And like, I think it has, it has, I think it has implications on a couple of levels. What did you think about that particular writing choice? So oh, I think it's damn near important. Like, actually, yeah. I had I was I had been thinking about this, and then I read an interview with him, and it seemed to confirm what I was thinking. Like that first third, you know, you see Tess interacting with, um, you know, all she's facing with uh, Keith and the house, and she's reacting in a very in a very smart way, I feel like, you know, she, when she sees that he left his wallet out, she goes and she takes a picture so that she can look him up later. Like, you know, when she, uh, when, when she first sees that the door opened and she didn't open it, she makes sure she has it locked next time. Uh, when she sees the sex dungeon in the basement, she tries to leave 
And I was kind of annoyed. I was kind of annoyed she didn't Google him at some point, or we didn't see her Googling him. It's like, I assume that like, she verified that she, did story. <laughs> I assume that she did. And also, I think the fact that he actually named like a specific like Detroit like artist collective that she was familiar with, I oh, assume, yeah, kind yeah. of like that's a that's a whole lot of pre planning for a serial <laughs> killer. So, true, true. um, but and then the flip side of that is all right you have this woman who's put in this position you know this very i I guess you could say sexually charged position you know uh, where she doesn't feel safe and she's you know kind of inquisitive she's asking the right questions she you know she's listening to her red flags so what's the flip side of that the flip side of that is someone who is completely oblivious to the world outside of himself and who also is like somebody instead of being threatened by these sort of like uh, sexually aggressive situations, someone who engages in them. You know what I mean? Who creates them? Or who it's also doesn't like, doesn't have who also doesn't have the same fears every time he walks into like a, 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 a uncertain situation. Because correct, yeah. Problem. But like I also do think that like the fact that he is sort of a predator ties in. Like sure. I, I think that like it's just like as a writerly exercise, it's just interesting to see like what is the complete opposite of the first character we're introduced to? How does he react when put into the same situation? Because then it becomes, a. I think the, the director actually said it was like a moral test. And like, you see, he clearly fails, spoiler, and she doesn't, she passes. Um, and beyond that, like it ties into the theme, like we said, of like, you know, when she's having that conversation with Keith about how different women have to approach the world than men. Uh, in a way, this movie this ho- is a horror movie where the villain is the mindset of I'm built different because <laughs> you see Keith going down when he's, you know, and he even though he seems like the most sensitive dude, he's got Jane Eyre in his in his suitcase, you know, mm-hmm. uh, he's the most sensitive, artistic man. But he even he is like, I can't take you at your word for this. I'm gonna investigate you know uh and you know see what that where that mindset gets him and this guy uh justin long is the exact opposite of her and see where that gets him well Uh, i mean they're the opposite like personally but like they both have that uh they 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 both can't help themselves but go down that staircase you know yeah but you look at the different motivations too she's going down and the only reason you get a sense that the only reason she would ever go down those steps (laughs) <laughs> no, 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 well, well yeah, to, so to, to save uh, Bill Skarsgård. Correct. Yeah, and you it. get the sense that she is like an actually compassionate, good person. And like if she had just met him, she might have just turned the other way and gone. But because she got to have that experience with him, bonding with him over the course of that first night, she feels like she has to. She feels a responsibility, a moral impl- like imperative to go and she, down and she there. feels that same imperative for justin long later in the even though because... she actually i yeah, say that yeah she has never interacted with him before but i guess she's she seen she knows what's down there at that point exactly she has empathy <laughs> justin long by the way i should say right now justin long is in the running for my personal favorite performance of the year yeah Justin Long I... should win an oscar for this yeah. role absolutely. i was gonna yeah just absolute like toweringly funny performance uh and he also sort of i like the fact that even though like you know this guy is despicable he plays him like he's just your likable sort of justin long type of character like a douchey dude but like generally like in a way i was almost worried that the movie would like play it as if the character maybe wasn't like what he was accused of which i felt would have been a little i don't know it would have left me feeling a little I don't know, mixed about what the movie was trying to say. But the fact is that, you know, he is this sort of like douchey, like 
funny sort of guy, but like you get that confirmation that, oh no, he did that shit. He did that shit. And like, as you know, you spend more time with him, you realize slowly exactly how warped his own personal worldview is. I mean, hell, you get it when he gets to his uh, Detroit property and he's on the phone with his mother, the only person in his corner at the moment, the only person who loves him. And uh, he hangs up on her to go, <laughs> what's Drink up? Drink with his boy. <laughs> what's up, slur? Uh, what's <laughs> And uh, yeah, he's just like the worst person in the world. Well, um, I, I, so on that note, I want to ask Gage, what did you think about uh, Zach Krager casting such an affable uh, pre- presence in Justin Long in that particular role? Could it just been some like guy who you might, some might think of as traditionally a little more aggro or something like that? And it's like uh, Justin Long is someone that we have a different pre-existing relationship going into this movie. And I think I thought it was pretty ingenious. Yeah. Uh, int- when I was doing my deep dive on this movie's IMDb <laughs> trivia page, which has four <laughs> entries on it, um, it apparently he originally offered that role to Zach Efron, but Efron turned it down. Yeah, because he had just played uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. God, that's so interesting. I actually like Justin Long in this role because he's not like the super macho meathead type role that it'd be so easy to do this kind of thing with. Justin Long, like, you know, he, he's a little bit nerdier, a little bit more feminine than someone like Zach Efron. He's he's more relatable in a way. So, you know, it, it kind of rounds out that role in a way just to kind of show you know like anyone could be this kind of douchebag mm. and um he's not far off from like uh, uh what's his name the guy who plays keith oh bill scars i got cooked in the group chat for saying these two look similar well dan <laughs> at the very least they have a very similar vibe dan and also said, they could. look you're allowed sure. you're allowed to say all white people look the same because people make that mistake going the other way all the time so we can't really i, I don't think we should be giving you a hard time dan said that i look like bill skarsgård and justin long and uh damien chazelle and uh, oh and the uh, cooper 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 rafe those are varying levels of like com- things I would take as compliments and insults, but you know, pretty much, pretty much any skinny-ish white boy. Uh, Timothy Anthony, Chalamet, Timothy Chalamet, um, the guy from You. Anyways, um, no, I think Justin Long was a great decision here. Um, even the guy from the Mac commercials can be like just a, a senseless rapist. <laughs> I, I I I respected that, you know, because I mean those kind of those kind of predators can come in all shapes and sizes. So it's just like a nice reminder to be like, hey, the guy that might be like easily one thing on the surface is it can be something else and uh especially like i mean i think the idea i mean props to him for not necessarily trying to explain every single part of his movie uh but like you know i think there probably is something to the idea that like they call this barbarian we've barely talked about the actual uh ostensible uh monster in this movie uh but like at the same time it, it posits that like there might be worse monsters out there and they might even look like the really nice tv actor guy uh so i i i, I do kind of appreciate uh that at the same time uh but though i mean you know i think we all got to kick out of that that kind of turn the movie took but like you know i think we've already discussed the ways that like he kept trying to surprise himself while writing this so it's like i, I guess gage what did you think when all of a sudden like hey we're we're, we're back in the reagan administration oh before <laughs> before before we get there i do want oh. to I, I think that we do need to highlight how fucking funny it is to see this man take out a measuring tape the moment he sees <laughs> the sex dungeon. Oh, <laughs> right. I mean, that that was like, we were talking about comedic moments earlier. And I mean, 
that that was like the one that I think got the most like belly laughs out of the audience because it's like anyway, I, I was kind of getting that was kind of what I was getting at earlier when I just meant that he didn't necessarily have the same compulsion to be like scared in that moment as a just a, a woman that has to be more on guard. In fact, he can just kind of think about his pocketbook, you know, he has that. Yeah. And, and the, also the scene where he he grabs her laptop and gives it exactly one try to guess the password and gets it wrong and like just throws it across the room in disgust. <laughs> like that, that he has the arrogance to think he could actually just do it with someone he has not just guess the password in the first place. It's so true to life because like I know people like that, you know. And he's like, he, even though we say that he's a, a totally non-masculine dude, like you know, he's when he thinks that there's somebody down in the basement he's like yeah i'm gonna go fuck you up and he gets like a little knife and he's like yeah bitch get ready to get fucked and he's just yeah. saying the most ridiculous shit yeah. to hype himself up it's so good he is so good but all right reagan administration yeah yeah so um you know that that's the the second like big jolt of the movie um right. not the fact that that sequence exists at all but just kind of where it's placed because i think it's like a smash cut after he uh after justin long lands in that cage with uh the lead girl tess um oh yeah i couldn't remember the order that was it after he landed in the cage or after he has to like um he has to oh no no that, that isn't when he's having to when he's having to uh drink the breast milk because that's when she escapes right so it's, yeah, yeah so it's, it's it's immediately before that so to, to pull back at that moment into like some weird fantasy flashback sequences is, is also really bold for, and again for a second, I, I was so disoriented it didn't even register that th those houses were like looked like something that were like you know from the past that i was like oh wait did we just jump forward again like i didn't uh, it took me like about a good 20 seconds to realize what was actually going on <laughs> yeah no it's it's definitely i think intentionally jarring it's trying to replicate the feeling of that first smash cut earlier in the film um and i thought this was a really effective sequence too i love the way it's shot on these mm. super like wide 14 millimeter lenses uh, it looks very distorted and strange, almost all like kind of over the shoulder, but center framed, almost like a video game as you follow this guy around. Um, and, and I may be off base here, but it felt to me when I saw this scene, like, you know, that, that scene takes place in the 80s because they mentioned the Reagan administration on the uh, on the radio. But it had like a vaguely idyllic, like 1950s dream world kind of feel. I'm not sure. Maybe, well, Dan, because yes. you just saw it, you could speak to that. But that's what I took away from that. Well, the other thing I was thinking about in that moment where, where yes, it, it's trying to give off that vibe uh uh, on the on the surface, I guess, but at the same time, I mean, there, there, I mean, just the 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 difference between the set design, the production design there, in the in the in the modern timeline, uh, I mean, is is speaking to some level of obviously like gentrification and white flight, but then I think the the neighbor is like alluding to that very very trying to allude to it very very subtly when he's talking to the I forgot what the monster guy's name is, uh, but he's I, just I like, don't I don't know that they even ever say it. No, oh, I, th Frank. I, think, I think his name is Frank or something. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, you know, like we're just getting out of here before. Uh, I think I don't know what the term he used. He was like, before oh, things change oh, or go to hell or something like no, that. No, he says the neighborhood. Some euphemism going to hell. for this black. Some yeah. euphemism for this black people moving here, basically, right? I mean, right. So, like, yeah. When I rewatched it, I was like, yeah, this does. We we had talked about it being engaged, and yes, it does seem to be going for like a sort of 50s like the first shot of the house I, we didn't actually say that this house is like a very like nice looking cutesy sort of airbnb smack dab in the middle of like you know like a completely 
decimated urban decay of of uh, of Detroit. Right. And then when we follow Tess to her job interview, that seems to go well. And the person asks her, like, where are you staying? And she's like, an Airbnb. And I don't I forgot the name of the neighborhood. And she's like, yeah, leave right away. Like, don't. And she doesn't have not even kidding, like the most stone cold straight face you've ever seen. Like, it's like you don't you, we, people don't go there. Don't do that. Yeah. And then uh, to, to go from there, like, you know, she's driving around, you know, uh, that area and she, in the daytime, seeing how completely blighted and which also adds to the mystery of what's going on, which makes it even funnier when it turns out that, oh, no, it's just that Justin Long bought like the cheapest property he could to try to make some money. Yeah, um, that's the explanation for that mystery. But um, to go from like the absolute degradation of that area in like modern times to like the 80s that smash cut to like you know uh, you know it changes the aspect ratio and it almost recalls i feel like 50s tv like you know uh like a technicolor sort of um i know that technicolor wasn't really a thing in the 50s but like on 50s tv but yeah it does sort of recall that era like the manicured lawns and everything I, i should say that like apparently the inspiration for how that scene was shot was a movie that i had never heard about until gage told me about it a couple months ago angst Oh, really? Angst was the the inspiration for that. That yeah, makes they sense. Used a, yeah, they used a snorri cam. He says. Apparently. Oh, okay. You know, in yeah. uh, in 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 angst, and this one they used the steady cam with the twelve mil lens. So, and yeah, like it's just meant to be completely completely out of time, out of touch with the world that you just saw. Because guess what? This this serial killer guy, the guy who started the horrors going on in this house he's just walking through this world as completely removed from it as we are watching him. You know what I mean? Uh, And yes, when you get, when he comes back to his house and he talks to his neighbor, his neighbor's like, yeah, you see the neighborhood's going to hell. We got to move. And you look around and it's like, this place looks really nice. What are you talking about? And clearly the implication is there's another element moving into this world, but you know, this character, he doesn't care about that. You know, he'll as long, as he, can, as, long as he can do his thing. Yeah, as long as he can do his thing, and his thing is being the most depraved motherfucker in the world. <laughs> yeah, so. I, I think the other really interesting scene or or part of this sequence is uh, when he starts stalking that woman after his trip to the grocery store. Oh, and follows yes. her home, and you know, kind of sign of the times, literally just knocks on her door, and she's like, "Okay, here's a stranger," and she just lets him into the house, and that's how he is able to open a window for himself to use later to presumably abduct her and that's also like kind of an ironic twist because you know the whole first part of the movie hinges on the fact that a stranger shows up on the door and you know Mm -hmm. we're now too uncomfortable with each other as humans in in the 2020s because of people like him in the 1980s yeah she actually when he leaves she closes the door and she doesn't lock it which to me like i'm like what are you doing lady lock your door you're there alone what are you doing but yeah no like uh i i i thought that it was you know really actually you know the movie it made me think about was um henry portrait of a serial killer oh for sure for sure yeah but um so you get that little segment and then we get back to the and honestly i don't want to be too negative because i did really like this movie but this is the point we're on rewatch because this is a point where like the mystery's kind of been laid out you kind of know what's going on now and from there the story kind of proceeds more traditionally and it's still good but there's it's not really the upending of expectations the constant on your toes sort of thing that was going on before 
you know, on rewatch. It doesn't hold up quite as well. Are you saying in theory, once you, once you go for that for the first two thirds of your movie, you may as well just keep at it. Cause then you're just, it's just going to feel like a letdown no matter what, or is there a way where this is a more uh, traditional narrative that could have worked for you? I suppose. I'm not sure. Like, well, I don't want to say think... it could have worked because I know you liked it, but I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know I'm saying, I still yeah. like it. Like it is still like an effective horror movie. And there are still moments here that I really do love for the rest of the runtime. But I think that it's one of those things where like when you're, you know, when you, this movie is like the, the foundation of it is like that ability to surprise the audience from here on out. There's not really any surprises per se. Um, what about, the guy still being, what about the guy still being alive? Like, what did you make of that? Like, I mean, well, what's weird, it's like one thing I, I'm, I'm still like maybe not totally on board. I don't want to say not on board with the gang because I liked it. But like one thing that I'm not sure totally made a lot of sense was that like they bring this uh, vagrant guy who they, who's made out to like at first they like come across as like a like some kind of this crazy person, the, the kind of element you don't go into that neighborhood for. Turns out to be the guy that like uh, saves Tess a little later on and then becomes like our uh, our kind of like exposition guy for like a minute when uh they're hanging out at his little compound and it's like he kind of explains everything but like also doesn't like totally necessarily explain everything either i'm wondering if there was like kind of the right mix for you for you guys of like hey here's here's what happened versus like some of this is unanswered but i don't know if every single question has to even get answered for it you know for it to be successful we hear that we we hear that he's like, hey, we it's it's just a whole sex thing where he kind of breeds people and we see a bunch of empty cages. Is mm. like, which mean, apparently that line was eighty yard. Oh, oh really? Yeah, apparently, like it's one of those things. Where, like at first in the script, like it wasn't really explained, but um, audiences are dumb. I don't know if it's one of those. I, see, I, I, see, I, I, I think it, I think I don't even know if it was I was dumb. I was like, I almost didn't even need that. I would have like le- I would have been fine if it was like almost left up to my imagination. I, I get the impression. Time. I don't know. He doesn't say, but I get the impression yeah. that it's one of those things where like they screened it for, you know, uh, for like preview audiences and they mm. weren't feeling I that's my impression anyways. Like he wouldn't yeah. have done it either. Any, which I, I'm with you like by that point, by this point in the story, where you kind of get a sense of what's going on, you know, uh, you don't really need to know that. But but anyways, uh you get the you reveal that like oh she's just trying to be a mother to you and uh, because you know this is this she's kind of the product of like you know a couple generations of inbreeding and she's been raised in this house with no sort of contact with the outside world the only contact she's had is with her father slash i guess grandfather slash who knows you know how far where, 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 where is do, do you even matter it's like where is everyone else supposed to be what do you mean? Is, is the idea just that he like kills them, but this this one just happened to survive? Yeah, yeah. Okay. The, the the implication is that like he eventually will just kill his daughters or whatever. I assume okay. this is okay. one of those things where like they don't explain, but like I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like you don't need, you get the sense and so there's a lot of empty cages with only two yeah. beings people down there. Yeah. Exactly, and that implication is almost scarier than like you right. know having it answered outright. And uh, yeah, we haven't actually talked too much about. The mom, I mean, I, you know, the, the the mother, I suppose, and like, yeah, she is somebody who's as much a victim as you know the, the characters in this movie, in a way. You know? Right. So another way, your expectations are upended. Yeah. So like, she, you know, she's been raised in the dark. You know, raised without contact with the outside world. The only contact she's had is with her father and with this TV that's constantly playing like a how to raise a baby tape. Yeah. Um, so like that's why she has this compulsion to like mother these 
vagrants, I guess. Uh, that part's not I don't know if she's like going around hunting people to kill them or to bring them home to nurse. But either way, you know, scary. You know, that's where, where it gets a little more traditional. It just becomes about surviving her and, uh, you know, getting out safely. The, the, the command of the rhythm is still good and all, but like, you know, the fact is like, and I respect elements like the fact that like, I think it's lit almost entirely in this, you know, in these underground tunnels, it's lit almost entirely by like the light, the, the, the flashlights on their phones, which I assume is a very hard thing to do. You know, Gage can speak more to that. Yeah. Well, that was one thing. I mean, again, I'm, I'm really not much of a videographer at all and i but like one thing that sometimes bothers me and is when like it just seems like movies just don't know really how to handle themselves once they get in the get into the little literal dark and i feel like this one like had enough of a sense of purpose every time it went down to those tunnels that like i never really felt lost and i'm wondering what you felt about how he actually kind of like just shot those scenes in general gauge yeah, uh, I thought it was really impressive. I thought the cinematography um, was done really well. Most of the light down there is motivated, like you guys said. So if there's not light coming from a flashlight or a cell phone, it's just pitch black. There's no like ambient, like dark blue lighting or anything like that to give you details outside of what's being illuminated. Mm -hmm. And further, I think it's, you know, the, the cinematography to me even kind of plays into the comedic nature of everything. There's a couple shots I'm thinking of particularly when Justin Long is um, holding the, the knife and the flashlight out away from him, like fending off, you know, whatever might be coming down that tunnel. And it's shot with just these crazy wide lenses so that his arms are like so long and weird looking and warped. And that's one of those things that like, it makes me appreciate how this movie is handling the comedy because that's not like a super in-your-face joke. It, it looks just strange enough to make you, again, feel uncomfortable and kind of chuckle, but it's not like in, a joke, you know? Because it's um, totally, it totally, it recalls like, an, it's like he's playing an FPS. Like, you know, it's like yeah. he's playing, you know what, actually, I just realized what it reminded me of. It's the way the field of view is, it looks exactly like uh, the Chronicles of Riddick game, Escape from Butcher Bay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, and there he's using melee weapons too. So like, it, it, and it, you know, it kind of imparts like this kind of scared adrenaline rush that like he's going through too. Like it's warping his vision. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know what he's seeing. Yeah, no, it's, it's a very good looking movie with a really interesting color palette. Uh, it, it did throw me off a little bit. The fact that the light coming from their phones is green for some reason in this movie. It's, it's just a color grading choice. But um, mm. anyone who's used an iPhone knows that uh, that that light is very blue when it shines directly into your eyes. Admittedly, I thought it looked blue, but like also you we once talked about a commercial we were watching. And you were like, why does this look so green? And me and uh, Andrea were like, what are you talking about? So you have a better eye for it than me. Um, well, well, I mean, Dan Daniel, you said we hadn't really talked about the mother that much, and then we proceeded to like talk about other stuff besides the mother. I mean, <laughs> is it, I mean do, do, do you feel like it's kind of like she might be like the least interesting part of the movie, or do you think we're like under discussing something about her with respect to this, I like with some of the stuff that is like very disturbing? But I'm wondering if it's like everything else in the movie, in a way, like almost is more fun to chew on. Uh, I think it's one of those things where like the other stuff is more fun to talk about, and like there's not a lot going on with her character beyond you know what i said like you know she's mm -hmm. somebody who has this instinct to nurture but like because of how she was raised like there's it's kind of impossible for her to to do that there's something tragic about her character and certainly in that final final moment but i do find 
that part. And I won't lie. As much as I said, this is a horror movie where like the villain is the mindset of I'm built different. I kept watching her on screen thinking I could take her. I, uh... I could I, I could take her. Like I wouldn't be, I, I, I mean, ripped to them, but I'm built different. I would not have allowed her <laughs> to do the things that she does. I would have taken care of it. This would have been a short if I was in that house. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, snapper and half down. Mm. <laughs> I uh, I do think she is. Although I like her design and everything, um, like just yeah, I, think, I think I saw it play, played by a man actually. Yeah, yeah, played by a dude. I like the design of her. It reminds me of one of the lead characters of Resident Evil Seven, who's like a similarly like super long and lanky old woman. Um, I think her character is maybe not the most interesting. It, she's definitely pulling a lot from like Texas Chainsaw where you have this super inbred and like honestly kind of scared uh, villain who's not driven by like senseless murder, but just like trying to to mother someone and to protect someone. So, or the know, descent. She, or the descent. Yeah, kind, kind of more interesting than your typical like, you know, slasher villain. And I think it, you know, specifically the end where she jumps off that uh, water tower in order to save what is essentially her child. Like it's it's not the most boring character ever, but at the end of the day, I don't think she amounts to much more than just like a counterpoint to the evil of the man who made her, you know, at, at her heart, even though she is, you know, deformed and hideous and crazy, still a benevolent being as compared to, you know, her father or grandfather, yeah. whatever he is to her. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate how there's this room for um oh, the, the, uh, there's room for some kind of room for sympathy for and compassion, even for a character that is as grotesque as that one and and just acknowledges, you know, that generally generational trauma can lead to some uh, pretty terrible things. And I feel like the movie, like in some ways, there's a couple other things that happen towards the end that are a little more on the nose than that is. And I kind of appreciate the way they kind of like show but don't tell with regard to that. I do like the moment where Justin Long has like kind of escaped from her clutches as she goes after uh, Tess. And, you know, he goes to the door of the father's room and he has no idea what's behind that door. She sees him. We get the shot of her coming into view lit by his phone's uh, flashlight. And then she backs away. And to us, we're like, oh, shit. Like, he's about to step into the room with the real monster. (laughs) But like, he, again, lacks, completely lacks any sort of self-awareness. And he just goes in. And then when he meets this old man, sort of doesn't think, like, why would she be afraid to go into this room? And like, sort of is just, you know, he doesn't think about the cages, you know, like I think that it's, it plays into, again, the theme of like men just blundering into these sorts of situations and just being able to live life by the seat of their pants because, you know, he sort of just instinctively trusts him because he's just another guy. In fact, there's that moment where like he's like, everyone's going to know what's happening here. I'm going to make her pay for what she did to me. You know, you, you get that complete lack of self-awareness as to his actions toward his co-star. I'm I'm with you on that. It, it was it was just kind of like a, I did think it was like kind of a fun reveal how they just like found a way to like throw you off with that. It, it didn't even occur to me that dude was going to be there, and I was kind of questioning you earlier a little bit. Oh, where'd all the other things go? But it's like it, I, I it's 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 smart that it like, just kind of like oh allow, uh, allows that much of it to be like that vague, but like you still like they show you enough to know like some really messed up stuff went down when he sees like you know the videotapes and he starts reviewing this what this guy has been up to you know he's absolutely horrified 
And doesn't does I don't know if it really causes him to look inward or not though at that moment. Oh well, <laughs> I I think it leads to the moment we'll get to in a little yeah. bit. Um, actually, like I think that there's there's a reason why like his immediate reaction is absolute disgust, and why he then becomes a little more self reflective toward the end, you know, to an extent. <laughs> um, yeah. And then you get all right, and then uh, you know this is toward the tail end of the movie. The mother bursts out of the house, gets run into by a car. Oh, I'm sorry. Did we miss that we, whole well, section? Where no, Tess we, we didn't get her escaping. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, before it even gets to that, you kind of see her get make her escape. It kind of ties back to us knowing something about the Justin Long character that she doesn't because she is compelled to go find help and she runs off. But again, she's been held captive for two weeks and uh, hasn't changed her clothes or bathed or anything. So when uh, this woman of color goes up to some cops looking some kind of way and asking for help, we kind of see how they might treat someone like that in a moment of crisis. And it, it, that that's obviously pretty telling, but it tells us something about her character too, that she still persists in trying to save Justin Long nonetheless. Uh, what, do, what did you think about that, Gage? Yeah, I think this is when the, uh, the movie is kind of most straightforwardly laying out its themes and what it's trying to say, how she's completely ignored by these cops simply because, you know, she looks at that moment because she's been held hostage for who knows how long uh, she looks crazy and the cops don't believe her. Um, you know, I mean, that, that's pretty, you know, in your face, social commentary right now. Uh, and uh, you know, it, it works in the film to me, it, it didn't feel um, overblown. It felt realistic. You know, I, I could see something like this happening in real life. And I think it also thematically tied into, you know, just how, kind of pure and selfless and good that te that test character is going to those links to to save someone who she hardly knows you know it really developed her character and it uh also forwarded the movie's messages about social decay and social justice and uh what it's like to live in detroit <laughs> it's funny like i somebody on my letterbox uh, i forgot who it was i apologize i think it was callie had said this is the movie that men was trying to be. Yeah. And I think that mm. speaks to, yeah, I didn't even, I hadn't even been thinking of that. And I did, I think I'm one of the few people who overall kind of did like men, yeah, but um, yeah, nobody, nobody else <laughs> I know, but like, I do think that this movie, it's funny because this movie I think has such a, does such a better job at handling its themes in like a interesting dynamic sort of way in a way that really does get it across without sacrificing like a compelling narrative and it's a movie that was not at all meant to be a message movie i think even in the interview that i read the director's like yeah you know the urban decay stuff i'm glad that people are responding to that but like that's not what i'm i just wanted to do like an audience pleasing fun genre movie and i'm like yeah, that's what I like to hear. That's what mm -hmm. I like to hear. I like to hear that, like, you know, you started first with, you know, how the story is going to unfold for an audience. And then, you know, kind of like the, the, the things that kind of resonate with you. You know, this is a guy who has spent a lot of time in these sorts of neighborhoods in Detroit and Michigan and all. And the fact that he is familiar with it, that he does have thoughts with it, I think just happened to naturally evolve into the script just because, you know, that's what interests him. It all comes across as far more organic than some of the other horror movies that I've seen of some late. I agree. I, that's one of my favorite parts about this movie is how it feels like the themes kind of emerge from the story and not the other way around. 
I, I don't know. I guess the last thing I want to ask you guys about was like after she does get back to the house, though, and, and then goes back to save him, accidentally gets shot, which I mean, I did kind of see that coming from like a mile away. And I yeah. didn't necessarily. And as surprising as the movie is, I did not see her dying at that point. So it wasn't exactly like the most like suspenseful five minutes. See, I there. actually I actually did think that for five seconds, I was like, oh, damn, she, he actually did kill her. I thought the yeah. movie was going to end like in like five minutes. Super dark. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I really, th- no, you know, what? I, maybe I did think they were going to kill her, but I, I was kind of aware the movie wasn't over yet at the same time. Uh, and then like they, uh, they pretty soon we, we see that's not the case that they got to go on the run. And I think that's where like the actual character, Justin Long is playing kind of like uh, takes, takes center stage again for a moment. And we uh, see him having that very self-reflective moment that does feel a little bit on the nose to me in a way the movie maybe wasn't where he's like, I don't know, am I, am I a bad person? Do I just do a bad thing? I can still do the right thing here. He's like thinking it all out. And for a second that, well, I should take it back for a second. It kind of felt on the nose, but like, I kind of liked it in that, like, it's just one last way the movie upends your expectations where it's like, they, they're trying to make you think that maybe this guy's having some kind of breakthrough. And uh, it's like, oh, it's kind of groans. Like, okay, we have to like, we really hear to see this guy get rehabilitated. And so it's kind of fun that it's like, no, not really. <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, no, it's, it's, it seems like you kind of like that, Daniel. Yeah, no, that was like the final. I, I was like, what, you know, he, uh, they, I should say that they, you know, take refuge with the homeless man who like uh, as accosted her earlier in the movie. And then we find out that like, oh, he was trying to warn her, which, again, one of those things that you can see co- coming on like a mile away. So like they ref- take refuge at his spot um, where he's been hiding out from her for like years you know, you have this moment of self-reflection where he's like, you know, I shot her. It was an accident, but like I'm responsible and that means something. And, hmm. you know, I'm like staring. I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah. you know, it's beyond like him just sort of beyond it being a redemption arc for a rapist. It also is just the movie kind of laying out like a message, quote, like a message in all caps, you know, to say. And I'm like, you are doing so good letting this mm-hmm. kind of just unfold naturally. Like, why throw all your chips in here? And then, like, you know, Tess asks, like, are you sure that we're safe here? The homeless guy's like, shit, I've been here for 15 years. Ain't not-? And then she bursts through the wall like the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> and I'm like, this is just one more little example of men walking through the world thinking that they're the main character. Like, he's been here 15 years. He assumes that he is safe. He's become comfortable. But you can never be comfortable in this world of ours. And Tess understands that. And this man doesn't. And that ultimately costs him his arm, which is then used to beat him to death. Which was, <laughs> which was a nice little, I love, I love gore in a horror movie. Like, what can I say? So then they start climbing up this water tower, trying to escape. And uh, then they've got nowhere to go. And like two minutes after his moment of self-reflection, you know, you know, he's being really put to the test here. Like, what is he going to do? And he (laughs) chooses to throw this girl who like had tried to help him, who had, after she had been completely got free, decided to go back in there to save (laughs) him. And he throws her off the water tower just in hopes, not not even with the, like just for the possibility that he might be able to escape. That's how depraved this man he even, is. And he even rationalizes it in his head before doing it. Like he's not even, he's still like com- trying to convince himself he's a good person as he's doing it. And then she's like, this is just something that like I got to do. You know, yeah. it's, I don't, I don't have a choice. You really, is this may only, it makes sense for me to be the one to come out of this thing. Exactly. And like, you know, then you get the, admittedly, this is one of those things where like, it's not a comedy, but it's funny that shot of like, 
Tess is thrown off the water tower. Then you get a shot of the water tower and the and the mother just naked swan dives off of the tower. And, and the guy behind us in the theater said, I did not just see that. I did not remember that. I didn't yeah. hear that. He was like, I did not just see that. The mother breaks the laws of physics by like, I guess, falling down faster than her and shielding her from the fall, which again, you see coming a mile away. You know, Justin Long gets down, sees that Tess is still alive, is like, oh, immediately starts rationalizing, like you said. He's like, you know, oh, I, I had no choice. I I was going to let go. You're the one who slipped. Like, you know, he immediately starts making excuses for himself because at the end of the day, this is the kind of man he is. You know, he pays for it with an eye gouging and then his head is ripped open. And then the mother is mercy killed. You know, yeah, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about that, that ending. I think it would have been so easy to just like have Tess and the mother like stay dead and then Justin Long gets away with it. It would have been a, like a darker, more cynical ending. But do you think the movie was trying to say anything by having her essentially have to like kill her mother figure in order to to walk free? This character that up till now has been like, you know, pretty solidly, you know, good all around. Not that this act makes her bad, but it was just kind of a more sad and somber moment than I was expecting to, to end the movie on. I don't know. Hmm. I, if nothing else, I think it's her looking out for her when we'd seen her kind of like, uh, you know, uh, maybe like letting her guard down a little bit in the beginning, though, maybe she was right to trust Keith, but like she did that. And then she kind of went in to help people twice and uh, tried to, you know, do the benevolent thing and it kind of backfired. And we finally saw her make a selfish choice for herself, where I'm sure me and a lot of other uh, film goers were like yelling at the screen, telling her to get the hell out for a lot of the movie. And she finally, in a way, chooses somewhat of that choice but I, so i i i appreciate it on that level as far as whether not mention anything she had to kill the the mother figure uh, i don't know what, what what did you think daniel i think it's one of i think it might be one of those things where it's just like well we gotta end the movie some way but um, and that's a way to get that's gonna get a rise if nothing else I yeah know. i think it's just one last twist of the knife but at the mm-hmm. same time, I don't actually think that it was a selfish choice for that character. I think that in that moment, there's a uh, there's like a level of connectivity, you know, like you see like she the, the, the mother figure is like saying she, like, she lived says, a life of pain in a way. Yeah, she says the word bait like she's trying to like even then like get the uh, get test to safety. But like every time she tries to move her test screams out in pain and like the mother just doesn't know what to do. And I think in that moment, you see a person who is just incapable of making it through the world that she's been thrown into, you know, a very cruel, unaccepting world, which again, you know, not to say that the mother figure is like, you know, completely in it. Well, it's a tough quandary. It's a tough quandary whether or not, you know, this character is a moral actor. But in that moment, she is the, I think, the one person who has shown, like, she's the one person who's shown, like, a real level of care to um, to Tess. Even, like, Keith, who was, like, a sympathetic dude, you know, he's a good guy, seems like. But, like, in the moment where she tells him to leave, he just kind of ignores her. You know, there's a world where the mother just drags her off back into her lair because she wants this child but at the end of the day she wants to be a mother she doesn't just want to hold her prisoner necessarily and i don't know like it's a there's a tragic element to that finale that i don't know that it really speaks to the themes in a really cohesive way but it is 
it is a moment that got me, you know, even on rewatch. The, the movie does the movie does a lot and does a lot really well so i, I i'm not gonna like necessarily like kill it when it's like how, how do you end a movie like this i mean i'm sure there's maybe some way that would have left us like you know totally in awe of how it did so many things at once but at the same time like it was still it, it was still it was still entertaining and you know I, I did i do think it felt pretty true to the character regardless of like how you want to interpret it as an act of benevolence an act of selfishness either regardless like it it's something that makes sense for the character to like do in that moment and no matter what so i it, it's it's fine you know it's and and it's very well acted i think we all liked her you know so yeah yeah um gage any other final thoughts on the movie things we didn't touch on that you wanted to uh cover before we wrapped it up uh i just want to say that this strikes me as the kind of movie that very easily could have gone straight to streaming and i'm just really glad it didn't i feel like mm. this is the kind of movie that really benefits from a, a group watch it's kind of like a midnight movie you know it's exploitive it's trashy it's surprising um i don't think i would have enjoyed it nearly as much if i had just been you know watching it at 3 p.m in my living room Absolutely. Um, and I also just want to mention that this is technically a Disney movie. So think of that when uh, when, the, <laughs> yeah. when the woman is putting her inbred breasts into <laughs> Justin Long's mouth. Technically I, speaking, well, the, well, the Disney won the box office this weekend again because it was this movie and that Indian movie <laughs> that at were one and two. It was number two at the box office. No it was a way. it was a it was a, a record low <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at the slow, box office slow week. this weekend. Yeah, but. <laughs> One thing, I, one thing I was like trying to figure out and I, I just didn't have the time to research it. Like I listened to the same interview, an interview with Zach Craig where he kind of talked about, again, talked about the writing process, talked about how the movie got funded and stuff like that. But when I was listening to that interview, he didn't talk about like when, when all this happened exactly. And I'm, I'm assuming they filmed this post pandemic, but I'm wondering like when it actually got put into motion in the first place, because you know, a lot had been made of like, when are the, when are the last of these movies that were like, um, that were already in production before the Fox Disney merger happened? And it's like, so it's interesting to think like, which of these are getting like greenlit under that? And this isn't as huh. expensive as, you know, certain movies. And I, I'm just assuming, cause it probably didn't take that long to put every, to like actually film this thing. And uh, it, once it was already written, uh, but like, so I'm, I guess I'm assuming it was post pandemic and probably post merger, but it's like, it is interesting to think like when something's like, okay, this is just something Disney has to put out because it's something Fox had in the works versus like, yeah, this is like something that like a Disney owned company actually like, was in on from the start is like pretty wild to think about. And I, again, I haven't seen that anywhere. I, but like, my, I'm just thinking based on the kind of movie it is and like how there's not that many things left that were just like, from what I understand from before they merged, it's just kind of interesting. It's one they did. So I, I, I'm glad that Gage touched that point. Cause like I, I noted, I clocked that it was a, um, a, uh, 20th century studios movie. Uh, or, or or searchlight movie, I think, or I don't know, was it it's searchlight? 20th or century. Yeah, it was just 20th century at the beginning. I was like, oh yeah, that's kind of Disney, right? And then I just forgot about it. So I was listening to that interview, and he kept referencing Disney. I was like, that's just hilarious. Uh, so <laughs> I, I I do appreciate that. If like, hey, a lot of people were just afraid that like, and yeah, sure, we'd all like movies of this level to be made with more frequency, but a lot of people were not unfairly like skeptical and thought that like, oh, and and cynically thinking like, hey, it's uh, okay, Disney's gonna like squish all the creativity out of these other like Fox umbrellas like search or 20th century studios and we're not going to like really see anything interesting other than the superhero stuff and they're going to be all about how they can you know work all their x-men stuff in all this yada 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 and it's like okay well at least something is getting made that's interesting and hopefully we see more of it you know so yeah well dan you stayed till after the credits was there a scene where like the mother gets invited to be part of the Avengers or anything? Oh, if only, if only I'm crossing my fingers. Like, I mean, there's, there's gotta be like 
a version of this movie where like she ends up meeting the predator or something you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't you want to see that predator and prey that's the name of the new the crossover yeah but um mm. i like the font very 80s paperback is sort it of the font. stephen king font i think it is i think it is the stephen king font uh which i mean yeah i get it stranger things exists but yeah. you know i still i still like it and it's in keeping with the spirit of this movie it looks and, great and i will say that it, it blows my mind that tess has this job interview with this documentarian she flies out to detroit to do it this she clearly has a passion for this she wants this job and she she wears her stan smiths like bro you wear your sneakers those are those are like 80 dollars sneakers like bro put on some put on some heels put on some dress shoes do you not have any loafers do you not have a this is what it's on. like in the production world dan there's no I dress su- code i suppose so but like i don't know that's a little too casual for me but uh, you know i'm not in that world so whatever <laughs> <laughs> Very well. Daniel, you mentioned you had a couple other things you might want to recommend. Gage, we normally talk about, uh, I usually ask people for other recommendations and things they've been watching before we sign off. Daniel, is there anything like uh, uh-huh. kind of like touched on this kind of uh, this type of fair that you wanted to shout out? You said you had a, a, just a couple in mind. Actually, I said I really don't really have a couple in mind and I haven't oh. been really watching that much because I work the Wi-Fi is down to normally where I watch movies. Ooh, um, I, what do you what do you do at work when that happens? Right now, I've been actually I've, I finished a do book, it. Darker Than Amber, uh, huh. which is one of the worst books I've ever read. But I'm right now <laughs> reading right now I'm reading Moon Witch Spider King, the uh, second novel in the Dark Star trilogy, which is this uh, high fantasy series. Well, I guess low fantasy series um, set in, instead of like in a European sort of setting, it is set in like an analog to like African uh, history. So like, you know, there are like XBs of like a lot of like West African kingdoms in the past and this and that. This one takes the, pers- it's like the same story as the first, but from the perspective of one of the other characters, this 100 something year old witch. And so far, I'm, I'm very, I'm only a little bit through the way, but like, I really love how it's written. It's written in sort of like an oral storytelling sort of way, you know, lots of world building. Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of the first book. So I'm, you know, working my way through. And I will say, if I got to recommend a movie, I'm looking through trying to find something I could recommend. I'll actually go with one cut of the dead. Mm-hmm. Do you guys know about this one? Yeah. Have you seen it? I haven't I mean, seen it, but I know. Oh. You specifically have to really see this because I know a lot like this is very much like this movie in the sense that it's I will I'm not going to say too much, but I will say that like it tells kind of three related but distinct stories like it, it changes things up in a way that like makes what happens before take on like a new sheen like you get a new perspective mm-hmm. on the events before it is like a real celebration of like filmmaking, horror filmmaking, and this sort of indie uh, spirit that runs through movies like Barbarian. And um, it's, it's found footage? Yes Berkeley. and no. Yes, yes and no. Yes and no. It is, I don't want to say any more than that. Um, I will say that second part of the movie, you're going to be like, ah, I'm not really feeling this. Push through because okay. it pays off. It is really like one of the loveliest 
movies uh about well i don't want to even say it because i feel like that's 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 almost a spoiler you, itself you but like you, i think you sufficiently teased you don't need this to, is like, on shutter this is on shutter oh great i highly recommend it to anyone yeah. who's like interested in this sort of filmmaking nice right, cool uh gage now that you've had a now you've had a second to think about it while daniel's been talking <laughs> you don't have to recommend anything it can be a book it can be a tv show it can be a movie is there just anything else you've been consuming recently that you would like uh, to give a shout out to before we sign off the best movie I saw this year was a movie called Threads from the 80s. It's a British movie about a very realistic look at what nuclear exchange would look like in the modern world. It's great if you want to break out into a cold sweat and have a stomach ache and diarrhea for the rest of the day. Uh, pair it with First Reformed, another movie I rewatched recently. Uh, mm. you know. Oh, you were going for that. You're going for that feel good double bill. <laughs> yeah, watch, watch both of those back to back and then go in the bathroom and hang yourself. Jesus. Okay. While no, watching a... come, while watching come and see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go all the way. It sounds like you, you just had to go even. Uh, you had to go even darker than uh, what we just talked about. <laughs> um, uh, I, I have so since the last episode I recorded, I haven't like started because I, I think I I'm, I'm still trying to get. I'm almost done with Paramount Plus's uh, players because that was the first thing I watched once I got mm. Paramount Plus, uh, which I'm really enjoying. And I'll keep say that say that again for anyone that liked American Vandal, you should watch that. Same dudes. Even if you don't like esports, really easy to get into. But the one the other thing I would want to say, because we're recording this the night after the Emmy Awards, uh, and people will be listening to it like about a week after the Emmys come out, which will uh, uh, about a week after the Emmys will have aired, which will be about the same night that season two of Abbott Elementary debuts. And I just thought season one of Abbott Elementary was delightful. It won a few Emmys last night, including uh, writing for a comedy series and um, you know, best supporting actress. And it's just like, I, it's been a long time since a network uh, sitcom debuted that I enjoyed that got a second season. Like most of the ones I like just like aren't for them. I, I guess just aren't for the masses and they don't stick around. And it's just like a delightful look at a, uh, at a, at a, at a uh, underfunded elementary school in, uh, in Philadelphia, which I mean, maybe that makes me a little more partial to it as that's my home city, but like, you know, it, you know, it, it just it, it just it show that really kind of got its characters from the start, maybe even in a way that like Parks and Rec didn't, because that took a second uh, season to get going. It's just like really, really has a great grasp of this, and uh, you know, it's you know, it takes place in like a, a school that like faces real problems, but they find a lot of real heart and comedy in it. And I highly recommend that. Um, Gabe, do you have anything personally you want to plug, social media, professionally wise, anything like that? That's the other thing we do at the end here. Uh, sure, I'm on Letterboxd. Uh, sure. My name's Gage, G A G. My picture is uh, Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. Mm, I noticed that earlier. I think that was a new one, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, I just changed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Daniel uh, is on Letterboxd at Felonious Funk. Uh, as usual, I'm Josh Jernavoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-I on Twitter and Letterboxd. Podcast email is realmoviepod at gmail.com and the podcast Twitter is at realmoviepod. So send feedback that way. Coming up next... I have, I, I have some possible work conflicts coming up that could cause a week break in the podcast, which I hate doing, but we're, I'm going to try and avoid that because we have Pearl coming out uh, yes. this weekend as of the recording of this podcast, which uh, Daniel will uh, likely be back for because he came on for X and we want to keep that consistency going. And you know, we could like, probably throw Gage on that one too. 
if okay, you'll well, have me. <laughs> oh, so if, if, if you liked X and you, I'm sure you've probably oh, seen a we're, couple of other we're on the show. I honestly, I spitballed with him my opinions on X before I came off to this podcast. So. <laughs> yeah, it was his bouncing board. Interesting. Well, so if, if you want to come right back, you're welcome for that because I think X was just uh, was just Daniel and I. Uh, so uh, no no one else is uh, indebted to come back on that one as besides Daniel as, as of now. Uh, also have, uh, I guess, the Woman King and one other thing this weekend, right, Daniel, that uh, might be Podworth. I can't remember what it was, um, but yeah, it, we're, we're coming up on a big weekend, but uh, so there will be podcasts on some of that stuff uh, coming up. I'm just not exactly sure when. So everyone stay tuned for that. Thanks again to Daniel and Gage for joining me and we'll see you next time. Thank you.